scripture reading will be John 15, uh, chapter, oh, sorry, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thanks be to God. You may take a seat now. Well, once again, good morning, and it is Vision Sunday here at RCL, and so if you are visiting with us today, we don't normally have notices that take as long as that was, but it was important for us to spend that extra time, all the things that Marianne and Luke shared, because we're a church family, and this is what we think God is doing in terms of leading us to both grow as a community, but also serve our city. So as Luke mentioned, if there's anything that was shared today and you have more questions about, you have some feedback on, we'd love to be in conversation with you. We're always available during the week, but we can also chat after the service. We'll have leaders up front. My job today is to preach what you could call a homily rather than a sermon. Sometimes people say, what's the difference between a homily and a sermon? And the answer is about 15 minutes. And uh, to preach a sermon or a homily today to begin grounding us in our vision, what does it mean to be a people that are growing? And Adrian just read John chapter 15. When Jesus describes a growing or a healthy or a fruitful life, he uses the imagery of a vine and its branches. And for us, that's been a really important picture this year because for a vine or a tree to be healthy and growing, that means it's growing in three ways. It has to grow down into the soil It has to grow up and have its branch and its trunk and the stuff that we see. And then eventually it has to grow outward and have fruitfulness. And for us, that picture of tri-directional growth is what we're thinking about as a church. What does it mean to grow deep in our identity in Jesus? What does it mean for us to grow up as a church family? And what does it mean for us to grow out as a fruitful church that serves our city? you know that a tree or a vine never enjoys its own fruit. Its fruit is always for the sake of others. And as a church, we want to say, what does it mean for us to be a community that exists not for ourselves, but for our city? And so Marianne shared about what it means for us to grow as a church. Luke talked about growing as a church that serves our city. In today's sermon, I want to talk a little, and for the next few weeks, we'll be focusing on what does it mean to grow in Christ? What does it mean to grow in our walk with Jesus, our closeness to him? Now, some of you have been going to church for a while. Others of you, you're exploring Christianity. Maybe this is your first Sunday ever coming to a church. For all of us, wherever you fall on that spectrum, John 15 and the question that we're asking today is, what does it mean to have a full or an abundant life? And that question couldn't be more relevant for all of us. 
because that's what we deeply want, to have a life of joy and of peace, but also a life that makes a difference and makes an impact. And Jesus in this passage is giving us a vision of a full, abundant, fruitful life. So let's take a look. Again, we're just introducing the topic today, but let's take a look at this passage and see the following three things. Jesus tells us what you most need, the challenges to experiencing it, and power to have it. So what is it that you most need? What are the challenges that will keep you from experiencing what you most need? And where do we get the power to lean into it? So first, what is it that you most need? Now, John 15 is right in the middle of a block of teaching that Jesus is giving to his friends, his disciples, the very night before his death. And when you're close to death, you only talk about the things that matter most. And Jesus, as he's talking to these disciples, he knows that in a matter of hours, he's going to be condemned as a criminal. He's going to be hung on a cross. And these friends of his, as they watch him die, they're going to be plunged into despair because they had thought, this is our guy. Jesus is going to be the king. He's going to overthrow the political oppression. He's going to establish a new kind of kingdom. He's our leader and we're going to follow him. And overnight, everything they were hoping for fell apart. Their dreams were dashed. And instead of victory, it would seem like defeat. Instead of power, they were going to feel like they were exploited. They were about to begin the hardest couple of days of their life. Now, the circumstances are different, but some of you right now are in what you might describe as the hardest season of your life. Maybe today, this morning, you're carrying something and it feels like my dreams are dashed, my hopes are crushed, I don't know what I'm going to do. And on this night, knowing that his friends were about to enter into the hardest season, the hardest moment that they would have ever experienced, Jesus tells them what they need more than anything else. And it's there in verse four. He says to them, remain in me, as I also remain in you. That's Jesus's great invitation. That's what you most need. Jesus says, remain in me. Now that phrase appears five times in four verses in our passage. It's absolutely the theme or the main subject. Now that phrase, remain in me, it's a translation of one Greek word. The word is meno. And most often into English, it's translated as abide. What Jesus is saying What you need more than anything else is to abide in me, to dwell in me, to abide somewhere literally is to be at home. That's probably the best translation of the phrase. Jesus is saying, be at home in me. Live with me, live in me, dwell, abide in me. What is home? Some of you, I admit, I know, have not had the best home life. Maybe you don't have a good one right now. But can't we all agree that home, if it's anything, is supposed to be at least a place of safety and a place of intimacy. First, it's a place of safety. Home is meant to be the place where you can come in and let your guard down. You can be yourself. You're comfortable or safe in your own skin. That's what home is supposed to be. Safety, but also intimacy. Home is the place where you're with the people that you love the most and that love you the most. That's what it's supposed to be. It's the place where with those we love and are loved by, we put our guards down and we feel safe in our own skin. And Jesus is saying, 
When the dark night comes crashing in, when the challenges are mounting, when you're faced with questions that you don't have answers to, whatever's coming in your life, what you need more than anything is to abide in me, to dwell in me, to be at home with me. Now, friends, here's why this matters. Stay with me. Most of us would never admit it. But if I were to ask you and we're really to press into your spiritual life, chances are that for many of us, if we were honest, we'd have to confess that the way we relate to Jesus is kind of like he's a Santa Claus figure in the sky. He's powerful and he's good at giving gifts. And so we relate to him as someone from whom we need things and we wanna please and we wanna obey because if we do, then he's gonna give us good stuff. But friends, don't you see, if the main thing that you need is abiding in Jesus, then here's what he's saying. More than any gift I give, what you ultimately need, Jesus says, is just me. It's not what I give, it's who I am. That is the greatest gift you could ever receive. You see, real spiritual life, this is what we're gonna be talking about the next few weeks, the art of spiritual maturity is not just finding God useful, it's finding him beautiful. It's not just following Jesus because of what he gives, but because of who he is. And saying, abiding in him, that's the greatest longing of my heart. To live in closeness to Jesus and connection to him and a growing vital relationship with him, that's what I need more than anything. Do you conceive of your spiritual life or do you think about Christianity if you're exploring not just primarily as a set of doctrine to believe or even a set of things to do, but as a person to live with? Jesus says what you need more than anything is to abide in me. Does this sound abstract? Let me give you one more example. In John chapter one, beginning of John's gospel, right? Today we're in 15, 14 chapters earlier. There were two guys who started following Jesus. Literally, they were walking behind him. And Jesus turns around and he says to them, what do you want? Now that's the big question, isn't it? That's the question Jesus is asking you today. What do you want? Why are you following me? Like, what do you hope I can do for you? In that question, Jesus is surfacing or he's revealing their ambitions and their hopes and their dreams and their desires. Because many of us want Jesus to be a really high-functioning executive assistant. Jesus, I have all these goals, I have all these desires and dreams, and you can help me achieve them. So Jesus asked them the big question, what do you want? And he asked you this morning, what is it that you want? Like, what's the deep thing in your heart that you're after and longing for? And in a way that I'm not even sure those two guys understood. I don't know that they captured the fullness of what they were saying. But when Jesus says, what do you want? They say to him, teacher, where are you staying? Staying, the Greek word meno. Where are you abiding? Where are you dwelling? And Jesus says, come and see. And those two followers did come. They did see where Jesus was staying and they never left. And now 14 chapters later, Jesus says, that's the essence of spiritual life. 
pull it together. Do you see what's happening? (laughs) Jesus says, what is it that you want more than anything? And those two guys in effect say, we just want you. Wherever you're going, that's where we wanna be. Whatever you're teaching, that's what we wanna believe. Whatever you ask of us, that's what we wanna do. Wherever it takes us, whatever it costs, whatever sacrifices are inquired along the way, we just want to stay where you're staying. And Jesus says, come and see. That's what you need. That's what I need more than anything else is to make our home in him. You say, I want that, but there are challenges. Abiding in Jesus is in some ways easier said than done. So we want to explore now for just a couple of minutes. And again, we'll be pressing into this over the next few weeks. Why is abiding in Jesus so tough? Why, if it's the thing we most need, does it not come more naturally? There's a couple of reasons. One, in verses two and three, Jesus talks about pruning. We're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about that next week. But pruning can be scary. But I want to highlight this morning just two reasons why abiding in Jesus is really a challenge. Here's the first. Abiding is slow. A life of abiding in Jesus is a slow life. Jesus uses the imagery of growing, right? A vine, branches, fruit. And he doesn't talk about a microwave. He talks about a seed planted, growing up, and fruit coming. And you know what that means? If you were to sit down and plant seeds and watch them grow... If you had an Amazon Prime approach to how fast that was going to happen, you'd be deeply disappointed because you'd be sitting there and you'd be saying, nothing's happening, but it is. But it's so slow, it's imperceptible to you. And see, as a culture, what's happened is we've come to equivocate fast as good and slow as bad. Now, I'm not all against fast. I love the fact that if I'm traveling in a second, I can call my wife and be able to talk to her really happy about that. I'm glad that if someone's sick, they can get medical care quick. That's a good thing. Fast is good. Sure, sometimes. But we've attached a kind of moral weight to speed. And we think if something's slow, it must be bad. And friends, life in the kingdom of God, abiding in Jesus, that didn't change with Amazon Prime and same-day delivery. Growth in spiritual life happens as quickly as it did 2,000 years ago. Slowly, deliberately, like a seed planted, a bud coming, fruit later. So slow it's imperceptible, and yet it's real. And so if you're going to be a person, if we're going to be a church that grows in Jesus, it's going to require steadiness over the long haul. Not flashy demonstrations of spirituality, but consistency in spiritual practices, even when it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Abiding is slow. And second challenge, abiding is hidden. Abiding is hidden. If you were watching a tree grow, not only would you not see it because it's happening so slowly, but the life force of that tree is hidden. It's what's happening under the surface and inside the branches. Life's happening, but you can't see it because it's hidden. This is a challenge for modern people because never have we lived in a time that can be more characterized by this phrase, performative individualism. Where we all live like we're performing. And we've internalized the deep belief 
that what we appear to be is more important than who we actually are. And so we live in such a way as though accommodating the desires and the preferences of the people around us is going to lead to joy and peace. And we forget and neglect our walk with God who sees in the hidden places. It's amazing. This is not new, by the way. We just have Instagram, which is a platform for everybody to perform. But human beings have been doing this for thousands of years. Even Jesus, when he was teaching, he said to, in criticizing some religious leaders of his day, he said, they, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, do their praying and their giving and their fasting to be seen by others. Now notice, Jesus is not saying it's bad to be seen by others. It's inevitable. But he's saying even their spiritual practices, even their religious activity was a performance. They did it to be seen. And what they were really interested in is not what God thought of them, but what others thought. Their whole life was a performance. And Jesus says, if you want to experience abiding in life and fruitfulness in me, you have to be okay with a hidden life. You have to be okay with things happening that others can't see. A sort of interior spirituality that's rich and abundant, that overflows into everything else. It's an inside out kind of life, not an outside in kind of life. Abiding is a challenge because it's slow and we're a fast paced culture and because it's hidden and we're a performance kind of people. So the question is, if what we most need is to be at home in Jesus and yet there's all these challenges, where do we get the power to grow? to abide, to be at home in Jesus. There's a lot of things I can say, and over the next few weeks, we will come back to some of them. But for today, it's the last thing I wanna say. How are you gonna abide in Jesus? How are you gonna be at home in him? Only by seeing Jesus losing or giving up his home for you. To the degree that you see Jesus surrendering his home for you is to the degree that you're going to make your home in him. John chapter 1 and verse 14, Jesus, it says, took on flesh and made his dwelling, his home among us. That's called the incarnation. That God the Son, eternally existent with the Father, came into our world and clothed himself with humanity and as Eugene Peterson puts it in his translation, moved into our neighborhood. God the son becomes God the neighbor and takes on flesh and makes his home with you. And do you know what that meant? He had to leave his home above. Jesus in some ways was the ultimate immigrant, the ultimate refugee, the ultimate person to lose the, lose the safety and the protection and the love of home and come into a foreign and hostile place. That's what Jesus did. And it culminates after a life of perfect obedience and perfect closeness to God, his father, it culminates on the cross. Where at the end of Jesus' life, he's dying as a sacrifice, as a substitute for his people. On the cross, Jesus lost his ultimate home. Because think about it, what's home? Remember we said home is a place of safety. But on the cross, Jesus wasn't safe. He was literally exposed and made vulnerable. He was mocked and beaten and stripped down. The complete opposite of safety. And on the cross, Jesus, who had perfect friendship and closeness to God, his father, cries out, why have you forsaken me? 
Think about the relationship that you have in your life, the one that's meant to be the closest. And think about your hardest moment. And think about that person slamming the door on your face. That's Jesus saying, why have you forsaken me? You see, on the cross, Jesus was cast out of home. Why? Because he was dying for you. He lost home so you could have home. He was cast out so you could be brought in. He was the ultimate exile so you could be given a family and a seat at the table. Jesus says, be at home in me because I lost home for you. If you see that, if you see Jesus in a great act of love, the greatest act of love, putting himself in your place, going where your sins deserved so that you can have a seat at God's table, then you become a person who slowly says, I want to abide in him. Wherever he's going, that's where I want to be. Whatever he's teaching, that's what I want to believe. Whatever he asks of me, that's what I want to do. Because look at how much he loves me. And look at what he's given for me. He is the joy of every longing heart. Jesus, where are you staying? Because that's where we want to be. And that's what we're talking about this year, to abide, to grow in Jesus as the joy of our heart. Let's pray and let's ask for that now. Our Father, as we come now to our time of response, as we think about Jesus, the one who invites us to abide in him, we pray that this morning you would help us afresh to see his love and his sacrifice for us, to see him losing home so we could have one, to be brought in because he was cast out. Lord, help us this morning to see Jesus, to abide, to rest in him, and to experience peace in the storm, joy in the sorrow, growth in the valley, because we're with him. Do that now, we pray, by the power of your spirit and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.